So uh, do people know you as a peacemaker or do they know you as a troublemaker? What do you think? Do people know to be careful around you because you'll fly off the handle? Hello. Do you do that in traffic? I mean, fly off the handle and just show a not so good side of you? Do those closest to you know, boy, you just better be careful what you say because you push the button. You just push the button and they'll come at you. How sad is that? It's amazing. It's amazing that Peter is writing in our text tonight. In 1 Peter 3, he's writing to what's called the, uh, the dispersed Christians, individuals that for the sake of the gospel, just because of their Christian faith, they have had to run. They've had to hide. Some of them, of course, now you got to know that that was God's plan. God can take your trouble and take your difficulty you don't understand and use it for his honor and his glory. There is absolutely nothing that happens in your life, one, that God is not aware about, and two, if you remain obedient and faithful to him, he will use it for his purpose. And eventually, you will understand it. The point is they're dispersed. Well, how, how would the gospel get into many parts of the world in that particular time had they not ran? Had they just simply stayed in their little prayer meetings? Had there been no trouble? Had they just said, well, this is our little crew, our little Christian group, but boy, there were threats and slanderings and slaughterings and all kind of uh, circumstances that caused them to say, we got to get our family, we got to go. We got, we got to get out of here. And as a result, what did they take with them? They took with them their relationship with Jesus Christ. It was the real deal. And yet Peter steps in and he says, okay, here's what I know. That once you go through that kind of turmoil, it may be that you create a persona that you're hard to get along with. Or you get a little grumpy. How many of you know someone that's close to you that is a little grumpy from time to time. Sure, just close to you, maybe in the row in front of you. Old grump is sitting there. The bottom line is Peter's dealing with that, and he says, hey, I want everyone to understand the joy of what it means to try to live circumspect before the Lord. I'm going to ask you to put your hands together, and let's welcome that online audience. Would you do that so they can hear you? There you go. We're delighted because we now know that they're listening, many around the world, and individuals on rainy nights like tonight says, well, I think I'm, I'm going to watch online, but I just want you to know you only get one pass every six months because of rain, okay? Here we go. Peace. How wonderful is it to have peace? That's a great experience. Peace usually costs. Somebody has to sacrifice if there's going to be peace. Let's say that you're married. Let's say that for the most part you're happily married. But let's say that you have a disagreement. Anybody with me? Disagreement. Have a disagreement in, in the marriage, in the home. And uh, wow, both of you might be stubborn. I mean, both of you might be, hey, I know that I'm right. 
And if I know that I'm right, bless God. Everybody got the, you got the picture? If I know I'm right, uh, I'm right. And when that happens, uh, how is peace going to be accomplished? It is not. Well, I'll tell you how we deal with it in my house. Hallelujah. We choose to agree to be disagreeable. Well, let me tell you, that's a wonderful posture. But have you noticed that when you choose to be, agree to be disagreeable, that sooner or later that comes back up? You understand? Comes back up. Now, Paul's dealing with the conflicts because in marriage, if you're going to have to have peace, both should be self-sacrificing. Hey, you know what? My being right, even though I believe that I am, is not as important to me as you are. My being right is not as important to me as your opinion. Hello? Somebody's liable to get a good dinner out of that deal. And relationships, if you want good relationships with people that you know, love, and trust, you're going to have to have and maintain a humble spirit. A pride and haughty spirit will cause you not to have any relationships. So I just want you to thank him. Those simple areas. Peter's beginning to deal with this church that's been dispersed. They've been abused uh, because they've gone through trouble. They have a persona now that it's hard to get along with. It's difficult. And he says, I want you to know that especially Christians ought to enjoy a positive relationship. Especially Christians ought to have the beauty of compassion. And especially Christians, you ought to have a day without painful conflict. That in your day, there ought to be at least a day, uh, a lot of times, that you go through that day and say, I didn't have any painful conflict today, you know? I really, really didn't. The first seven verses of 1 Peter 3 deals with marriage relationships. Deals with the relationship husband to wife. Deals with the relationship God and his church. And there's a reason that he does it. Because he says your relationship with Jesus ought to be exampled in your relationship with your spouse in the marriage. And he says, I want to relate what, what, because everybody that's married, you know what it's like to be married. So if you can take what you know that it's supposed to be like in marriage and live peacefully and to live godly, then apply that to your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, in order to have peace and happy living and fulfillment, someone, get this, someone's going to have to follow the rules on a consistent basis of what it means to live a peaceful, fulfilling, happy life. So here's rule number one, let compassion rule. First Peter 3, verse number 8, this is what he says. Finally, all of you, how many is all of you, everybody? All, all of you, everybody, not no one excluded, all of you live in harmony with one another. 
Live in harmony with one another. Can you imagine that a shooter goes to a practice ball game this morning and actually takes a shot and injures a couple of people because it, to him it was a political thing apparently and it stirred him up and he drove, I don't know, eight or 900 miles to be able to accomplish that. Why? Because where was the anger at? The anger was inside him. I was watching a, a news program the other day, and the individual I was watching with said, what in the world is the world coming to? My Lord, how mercy just makes you want to get, get rid of all of them. Well, hello. The Lord loves everybody, amen? He loves everybody. As you understand, live in harmony with one another. And then he says, be sympathetic. We're going we're gonna to part this out in a minute. Love as brothers, be compassionate, and what? Humble. Be compassionate and humble. Why? Because he said humble will bridge the chasm between when you have a disagreement trying to determine who's right and who's wrong. Paul, or Peter exhorts and says, if you're going to enjoy that relationship and have peace in your marriage, in your family, on the job, you're going to have a healthy emotional life and a productive life. You're going to have to embrace compassion. Compassion, what does that mean? I will accept and give part of my heart and understanding unqualified to another person. I give them compassion. I may see them come at me with everything they have, but compassion says I don't understand everything that's going on in their life. Compassion says, I don't have to live with them, so I don't know what provoked them to do that. Compassion says, hey, brother, no matter what you do, there is a better way, and I'm going to practice the better way. Well, what does compassion emanate and project? It offers a sympathetic feeling. I want to try to understand how you feel. I want, a, I want a sympathy to understand, and also it offers mercy I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to, I, don't, I don't know whether you need it or not. I just know this. My compassionate heart says, I want to give you mercy because mercy is another bridge to misunderstanding. And I'm going to offer you understanding in the midst of our misunderstanding. That's all there is to it. I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to do everything that I can to figure out a way not to let you control my response and my emotion. I am not going to bite the bait. Somebody texted me the other day, another minister from around the state. Here's what he said. He texted, he said, this was his text, people are talking. That was it. I thought, well, isn't that sweet? I waited about five hours. And I responded. I said, not enough hook. People always talk. Oh, my Lord. How long do you think he sat there waiting for me to reply? People are talking like I had time to respond to people. People talk all the time. No hook there. No hook. Then he says, please call me. I says, no. You call me. I'll have 10 minutes at this time. That's it. See? See, people are talking. What does that provoke? 
Does that provoke peace? Does that provoke curiosity? Does that provoke goodwill? No, it doesn't. It means, hey, I know something you don't know. Well, hello, I live with somebody who knows something I don't know. I pastor people who knows something I don't know. Amen? Understanding that, those little moments, it offers understanding, and it offers feelings of sorrow or pity. Romans 12, 1, when Paul refers to the Christians in that church as brothers, he's taking a giant step of faith. They were a bunch of snipers. Those Christians professing Christians there in Romans in the 12, 1, they were into, and he calls them brothers, brothers. Well, you know, you know what? They did not deserve the distinction of being called brothers, but what's Paul doing? Paul's saying, if I ever bridge the chasm with you, if I ever have an opportunity to minister to you, if I ever have an opportunity to give you godly counsel, I'm going to settle this down, and you're my brother. You're my brother. I may not understand it. I may not like it, but you are my brother brother and all through the gospels you'll find jesus exhibiting that kind of compassion had he not had compassion look at the havoc jesus could have done he could have called ten thousand angels and never raised a finger don't you know with all the people that despised him how easily it would have been for him as the son of god to say hey i'm just going to mark you out you're not going to wake up in the morning. Father, write that down, okay? They're not going to wake up in the morning. He realized from his perspective that men and women needed compassion. He realized from his perspective he needed to illustrate it to us. And so if we're going to be sympathetic toward each other, then and only then... Are we going to understand what it means to have an understanding? I don't know how people think. I don't understand the behavior of people. I don't know what causes people. I do the, know the root cause of all evil. We all know that. But I, I don't know the dilemma. If you sat with me in counseling sessions, you, you would swallow your tongue and think, how in the world that person looks healthy, that person looks whole, that person looks like they've got it all together, and yet in a private session, I'm telling you, they are a warped, messed up individual. So if you make judgments based on what you see as opposed to what really is under the skin of individuals, you'd make a big mistake. And guess what? If you and I don't offer that kind of feeling and compassion, then pray tell who's going to give it. Do you expect to get it from the world out there? You see, here's it is. When you hear someone say, I don't need your sympathy, I don't need your pity, and I don't need your mercy, you are looking at a troubled individual. You are looking at an individual who does not know how to share compassion with a pure motive. You are looking with an individual that doesn't value compassion in their own life, and you're looking at an individual that has a hidden enemy of pride in their life, and they have become captive to it. Because all of us need compassion. All of us need sympathy. All of us need understanding and to be understood. All of us 
need someone to say, I don't care what you do. I want to be your friend. Even if we have disagreements, I want you to know I'm going to pray for you. Compassion in its most simple form is one person trying to understand another person without judging them. And unconditionally says, we're buddies. And if we're going to be united in purpose, mission, and task, we must share compassion with those who are close to us. Paul Ryan said today, he said after the shooting that took place, hey, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're Americans. Someone else said, boy, it seems like it took this to bring us together. The Democrats over here praying, the Republicans over here praying. My friend, I thought to myself, how easy would it be in our culture if we just live by the book? If we just live by the book? If we just understood what Peter is saying here? You see, when you have compassion with those close to you who are unbelievers, we write unbelievers off. Well, bless God, I'm telling you, they're going to burn in hell. Say what? This is what I said to a group of individuals today at lunch. They said, what would you think about the shooter? He got taken out. I said, you know what haunted me is this. I wonder if his heart was right with Jesus. And that group of people went, do what? I wonder if his heart, I said, was right with Jesus. I wonder if that man died not knowing God. I wonder who in his life may have missed reaching out to him with his anger. I wonder, I wonder about that. And if we ever get to the place that we don't wonder about that, the church's need in society will in fact cease to exist. And we need to have that kind of understanding and compassion with those that we have difficulty with. The difficulty... I, you've heard me say it long, long ago. I decided not everybody likes me. Hello? Not everybody likes me. But you know what? That's okay. Not everybody has to like you in order for you to be fulfilled. Amen? At least three believe it. Number two, here's rule number two. An understanding. God, God rewards Christians in control. God rewards Christians in control. So let's, let's take a look at that. 1 Peter 3, 9 and 10. Do not repay. Matter, matter of fact, it's up there. Can we, can we read it together? Is that all right? You mind reading it together? We're not going to vote. But we are going to read it together, y'all. Let's go. Here we go. On three, here we go. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Pause. This is what you don't, you don't repay evil, not repay insult with insult. And what, what is the benefit you inherit a blessing. So let's pause now. What if you don't do, what if you decide to pay, repay evil for evil? What if you decide to pay insult for insult? Do you know anybody that does that? Here's what he says. Uh, 
If you do that, guess where the blessing goes? Down the tubes. All right? So here, here we go now. Inherit the blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. You got that? Deceitful speech. So whoever loves life and see good days must keep his tongue. What does it mean? How do you love life and see good days? You purposely make up your mind this little thought. You are not going to get under my skin. You are not going to get under my skin no matter what you do. The worst testimony in the world, I think, is a Christian out of control. Just out of control. And once Peter encourages how to behave properly, then he tells us what not to do. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay insult with insult. This means no retaliation. No retaliation with your smart tongue and sarcasm. Peter's saying, stay in control. Sharon likes to watch, I love Lucy. You've heard me say that. This morning, got up, thought I'll spend time with her. I made the coffee. I watched the news. It's about 6.10. And so I'll take 20 minutes here. And I love Lucy trumps everything. And I can say, what's that one about? She knows. But this morning it was about Ricky had told Lucy not to buy a hat. And Lucy, Lucy had already purchased the hat and they made a deal that if hot-tempered Ricky were to blow his temper, she would have permission to buy the hat she's already bought that he doesn't know. How I many remember that one? He comes home at 4 o'clock in the morning after working at the club. He's fallen over dead tired into the bed and he lays down and about the time he's asleep she turns the radio on loud it scares him he jumps and he almost goes for it but he whoop. then she gets saltine crackers and she begins to nibble on saltine crackers as they just crunch and she gets over on his bed nibbling and crunching did his best made it through the night he got up and had a white tuxedo on she got a cup put tomato juice in it and little holes at the top of the cup he sat down and looked at the tomato juice she said what is it he said i don't trust you he takes a spoon dips into the tomato juice and tries it it's good then he pours it and as he does the holes in the top lip of the cup just pour all over his white tuxedo. He jumps up. His eyes are huge. And he's about to come at her. At the end of the period of time, 
in the times that he could have blown up, he goes to her and he says, you know what? I am so silly. I'm paraphrasing. I'm so silly. I haven't lost my temper and I felt better. And it's really been good. I tell you what, you just go ahead and buy that hat that you want. She said, okay. She goes to the phone. She dials the number. She holds the button down. And she calls as if she's talking to the store. Would you please put that on my charge account and deliver the hat and, and send it rapidly. She hangs the phone up. The doorbell rings. It's the hat. Ricky says, no way that hat could have made it here that fast. He says, you already ordered the hat. Yes, I did. She backs away. He goes over. He wants to choke her. And I'm saying, choke her. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and they just smooth it over. But provocation of anger. Now, why did she believe she could make him lose it? You know why? Because he lost it a lot. And a Christian out of control may give himself permission to lose it a lot and we need to maintain control and say I don't want to repay evil I don't want to pay insult I want to stay in control when we lose control here are the negatives about it think about it in your own behavior we give others the power to control our emotion if they can push the button they can push the button anytime and they're going to get the same response and that is we blow up and not only that, it hurts others deeply and may build emotional barriers in them because here's what, do you know this? You say things when you're blowing up that you later may say, I didn't really mean it that way. Yes, you did. And when you do that, you show how much anger is deeply seated in you and you cause others to lose respect for your testimony. And then you act more like the devil than you do Jesus. And how many know that we're supposed to be Christ-like? And then you abandon common sense and rationale. And then you dig into the carnal nature and you allow it to dominate. You're allowed to dominate. I had a man one time between the two services way before we moved in here. And I'd been doing some counseling with some of his family members. And he did not like the counseling that I did for his family members who were grown and married. He saw me right after the second or first service. I was out in the building before we added to the wings and he walked up to me. I want to talk to you. Okay. Here I am. Outside. Outside. Okay. He's frothing at the mouth. 
he says, I'm going to sue you. Okay. I'm going to sue the church. People are coming by. I'm going to sue you for everything you've got. I thought that won't take long. Did you say, I says, my friend, I don't discuss with other people what I say with someone in my office. That would not be Christian. If you don't tell me, I'm going to leave the church and sue you. I says, well, you're already on the outside. <laughs> he left. Never came back. The moral of the story is this. Between the two services, preach then and got to go in and preach. How do you think it would have felt to me to have done what I wanted to do. Amen? I mean, what I wanted to do. No, it didn't work. What was the goal here? My sister said, I mentioned that incident to her. She said, that man just better be glad you weren't the same Wayne when you were growing up. I said, well, you know, it's all Jesus all the way. Uh, now, now <laughs> hallelujah. So, so get, get this now. I want you to try this on for your own life, okay? Here it is. Listen, because this is not on the screen. Here's another old saying that deserves a second look. This is a message version of Matthew 5. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make it a present for him. And if someone takes unfair advantage of us, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. And then he puts this, live generously. Here's what he's saying. There is a better life when you maintain control, a better life of retracting yourself, a better life of not hitting back, a better life that brings more joy, a better life in your family if you just learn to manage through the challenges. And the most thing is, he says, live generously. When we respond that way, we forfeit God's blessing. And you can see that now on the screen in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Here it is, all right? Here we go. Let's read it together. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. 
Run after peace for all your worth. God looks on all this with approval, listening and responding well to what he's asked, but he turns his back on those who do evil things. Did you notice that in the scripture, again, he says, if you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. But then the big deal is this. I don't want God to turn his back. Well, if I'm a believer, how can God turn his back? Just like you can turn a faucet off. Does the faucet evaporate? No. Does the faucet just disappear? No. But the water running out of it stops. And God says, okay, if that's how you want to live, I, I don't have to remove the faucet. I just turn the water off. You're going to find life's a whole lot better if the water's running. Amen? Because you're going to need that kind of control. So think about what you go through. We lose control. Here's what else. It adversely affects us with headaches, stomach, blood pressure, heartbeats faster, etc. David writes in Psalms 34, 12, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace. All right, then winners enjoy peace. Winners enjoy peace. That is to say, 1 Peter 3, 13 and 14, whoever, who, is, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if, it, if, if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. You did the right thing. You're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Well, what is it that they fear? Here it is. Do not be frightened. Don't fear what they fear, and it is they get frightened. When you know you are crossways with anyone or anything, you are fear the least little thing that happens is going to cause you to cave. So 1 Peter 3, 13 and 16, here it is. If any or, or if with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. Always with the utmost courtesy, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. Remember, you cannot be stopped. Just in this simple message, if we pay attention, we can have a far less stressful life. We can have far better relationships. But to do it, you'll have to make your mind up to be purpose-driven and say, I'm not going to let you get under my skin with that approach. I love you, brother. Amen? Would you stand, Heavenly Father? Thank you for all that you do and all your love for us. We know that when we practice what we just read, you hear our prayers. You give us divine protection. You share your happiness with us. We enjoy a clear conscience. 
And we do it when people say, how in the world do you stay cool? We can say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not me. It's the love of God. And I've learned that. And I am learning that over and over and over again. So, Father, would you minister to every person in this house? Would you touch all those online? Would you speak with their hearts? And if there are those in this room right now, God, who have issues with other people, let them just in your name. Let them in your name, Jesus. Just resolve it in their heart. Just make a decision to do good and to be pleasant and to be kind, to give the benefit of the doubt. And just don't let them get in us. God, and let us be long-suffering, that we don't just blow up at the drop of a hat. Don't let that happen. Help us to be more in control, to trust you. And we thank you for that. Bring favor to everyone. There may be someone in this room right now or listening online, and you don't know Jesus. You've not really taken his hand to let him direct your heart. But tonight, right now, you could make that decision to drop your pride and say, God, I want, I want you. I want all that you have. So I'm going to ask us to repeat this prayer. Can we do that? Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I have been rude. I have been mean. I have been resentful. But tonight, I want forgiveness. Come into my life and redeem me for your honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Now here's what's going to happen. You're going to be tested tomorrow. Matter of fact, some of you might be tested before you get home. Imagine that. Before you get home, I pray you'll tuck this message in your heart. And before, you know, before you do that, so whoop, 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 whoop. God, you got to help me. People often say, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I know who they are because they've given it all away. They're not normal anymore. You understand? Love Jesus. If you need prayer in your body, or you've got issues with someone, or you feel they have issues with you, why don't you slip down here and bring that situation to the Lord? Or if you have a need in your family, it has to do with a relationship, bring it down to Jesus. If you have a physical need, you never know what God might do. So we're going to sing this song through, and you just slip down here and let God take care of it. Would you do that? Here we go. And I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. Lord, I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because you died and rose again. Hallelujah. It's amazing love, amazing love. How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amen. 
Let's lift our hands and let's sing it together. Amen. Let's just lift up that song to Jesus. Amazing love, how can Die for me. Hallelujah. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my choice to honor you in all I do. I honor you. So, Heavenly Father, we put our faith in you. We have heard your word, we receive your word, and we will act on your word. We do pray for our nation tonight. We pray for America. We pray for the family of the man who took the life of others today. We pray for the families of, of the individuals in leadership. And God, we just ask you, would you do something, would you do something in the hearts of the leadership of our nation on both sides of the aisle that life is nothing but a vapor it's here today in America as we know it is nothing but a vapor it could change in a moment's notice God we just appeal to you and thank you we don't want to be angry with anyone or any party we just want to love you and ask you to help us and that doesn't mean God we're going to be pushovers we're going to stand for what's right. We're going to believe, but we're going to do it in an integral way so that you are honored and glorified in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. They're going to worship about another five minutes. You're welcome to just continue to worship. Thank you for being here, everybody. love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? love I know is true it's my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you sing I'm forgiven and I'm forgiven because you were forsaken oh Lord I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit lives within me, because you died and rose again, this is amazing love, oh Lord, amazing love, how can it be, that you might keep Thank you. 